Hello, everybody. My name is Amy Laughlin, and I am from our Oak Ridge location. So, hey, friends in Oak Ridge. It is a real joy to be with all of you today. So, one of my favorite pieces of technology is the GPS. Those navigational apps that we have on our phone or in our car. And I love that all you have to do is place your destination in there, follow the directions, and you're all set. They're incredible. Well, one of the features that they have is that they color code the route or the path that they lay out for us. Let me show you what I mean. So here's an example. Now, the blue line, the blue line represents that everything is going smoothly, that you could just set that car on cruise control, there's no traffic, things are flowing right along, you got one hand on the wheel, turn that radio up, you're laughing, you're talking with your friends or your family, it is carefree. However, <laughs> we all know, unfortunately, that most of our road trips aren't completely paved in that blue line. No, obstacles happen, detours come along, and those detours are typically represented by the red. When all of a sudden we are a completely different driver, because now we have a concrete barrier on one side of us and an 18-wheeler on the other side of us, and it feels like our vehicle is a little bit too large for the lane that we are in, and suddenly we are white-knuckling that steering wheel at 10 and 2 like a first-time driver's ed student, because it feels like there is absolutely no room for error. Well, life can feel just like that. During this series, we have been talking about detours those unexpected circumstances that we all experience, those situations that arise that we do not wish for, hope for, nor pray for, and yet they all come. There's a job loss, a diagnosis, a relationship that falls apart, a 2 a.m. phone call, and now all of a sudden life is completely different. None of us are immune to our detours. However, I do think that there is something that we all have in common when it comes to our detours, and it's that we are most vulnerable in our detours. When we hit those difficult seasons, in those challenging times of our lives, we are at our most vulnerable. Think about that. We all have our pressure points. And when life gets stressful and the pressure comes in, we all have those weak spaces that threaten to crack under the pressure. Because detours have this incredible way of exposing just how fragile we are. And if we're not careful, if we don't pay attention, suddenly that stress and that pressure can alter our choices, change our behavior to the point that we end up becoming our own worst enemy. We end up taking something that started maybe just as a disappointment, and we've turned it into a complete disaster. Well, we see this throughout Scripture. In week one of Detours, Pastor Jonathan talked with us about the Israelites and how from the time that they were set free till decades later when they finally made it into the promised land, that was one big, giant, long detour. There's a beautiful psalm written about the Israelites' experience. It was Psalm 106. And in this psalm, it starts off praising God's name, explaining how grateful the Israelites for, were for all of the miracles that God had performed for them. 
He had released them out of captivity, out of the oppression of slavery, freed them from their enemies, even parted the Red Sea and allowed them to walk right through to freedom. So I want to pick up this psalm from verse 12, and here's what it says. Then, then they believed. Because of everything God had done, then they believed his promises and sang his praise. So life was in the blue line. However, the very next verse, but they soon forgot. They soon forgot what he had done. They did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their cravings, and in the wilderness, they put God to the test. What the psalmist is referring to here are the details that we find in the book of Exodus, where three days, it's recorded that three days after they walked through the parted Red Sea, the complaining began. The grumbling started. Disunity and strife and rebellion and greed started to just infiltrate their culture to the point where suddenly they had taken a difficult season and made it so much harder than it had to be. We can learn from them for sure, but we have to wrestle with a question. And that question is, where, where are you most vulnerable in your detours? Where are you most vulnerable when you are in a trial, going through that difficult season? Where are those weak spaces that you threaten to crack? Now, I get it. This is not a fun conversation to have. Nobody wants to sit around and think about their weaknesses, for sure. But in order for us to be able to survive those detours, but really, I don't think we want to just survive them. I think that we want to thrive through them. We want our pain, we want our hardships to be worth something, to mean something. We want to learn how to thrive. But in order for us to be able to do that, we have to be honest. We have to truly examine where is it that we are most vulnerable in our detours. So let's step into this with open hearts, open minds, and consider this. Because really, I think that we can think about vulnerabilities into a couple of different categories. I think one way that we are vulnerable is that we might find ourselves overstepping. We tend to overstep. Think about those, those lines that we have put in place for ourselves, our standards, that suddenly when there is stress, when there is a difficult season, those lines start to become blurred. What was once solid now becomes a dotted line and we begin to say and do things that we never thought that we would. We start yelling at our children we take things out on our spouse. Students, we become disrespectful to teachers or to parents, or maybe it's at work. We start to get slack off at work. Maybe we start fudging numbers or reports or time cards. In other words, the standards that we have put in place become blurry. We start to overstep. Another way to think about our vulnerabilities not only do we overstep, but we also have a tendency that we begin to overindulge. Think about that. When, when we're in those seasons, there's so much stress and so much pressure. Suddenly we find that we're overeating, we're overmedicating, we're overspending. 
We're spending way too much time binging on Netflix or uh, social media, scrolling and scrolling through social media. In other words, we're doing whatever we can to numb out from the pain. We begin to overindulge. So how do we know? How do we know when we have overstepped or we have overindulged? Well, I think one of the best red flags that we can pay attention to is suddenly we find ourselves in a place where we are over-justifying. We're making excuses for our behavior. Well, it's just for a season. I'm going through a hard time right now. They need to cut me some slack. We start to hear ourselves over-justifying our behavior. Well, fortunately, fortunately, there are some guardrails that we can put in place those safety nets that we can put in place to help really to protect ourselves from ourselves when we hit those difficult seasons and when we're in those detours. So what I want you to imagine is to think about, we're gonna pave our detours with two things. The first, pave your detour with wisdom. Pave your detour with wisdom. In other words, in light of my circumstances, In light of this trial that I'm in and these challenges, what is the next wise step for me to take? What's the wise thing to do here? And to break this down a little bit, there's a few different ways that we can think about applying our wisdom. And this first one, I have to admit, I think it has all the power. It can set the tone for how your detour is going to come together, for the good or for the bad. One way that we can pave our detours with wisdom is we have to make sure we know our passengers. Know your passengers. In other words, who is it? Who are you inviting to come along with you into your detour? Who are the voices that you are allowing to influence you during your difficult season? A lot of us have a tendency to isolate ourselves. When we're in that hard time, that difficult time, we isolate ourselves, which is honestly one of the worst things that we can do. This is the time, more than any other time, that we need wise counsel, to invite wise counsel into our lives and into our space. Maybe it's someone that's in your group, your group members, your spouse, parent, or a, a teacher, a best friend, some coworkers. Who in your life do you respect? that you recognize as someone that you could invite, and that means you have to be vulnerable, that means you have to be authentic with them and transparent. And say, hey, I need your voice in this. Who are those people that you can invite into this with you? Because here's the thing about those, those uh, vulnerabilities where we tend to overstep or overindulge is that they're blind spots. Just like when we are driving, we have to remember that we have blind spots. And the great thing about having that wise counsel riding along with us is that they are so much more likely to see that and to point them out to us with love and encouragement. It's that, hey, come here. I just heard you put down your spouse. That's not you. What's going on? Or, hey, you just seem to completely flake in that meeting, and I know you've been working hard on it. What? Let's go talk. So inviting, opening ourselves up to wise counsel, even when they have, especially when they have, something that may be a little hard for us to hear. 
On the flip side of this though, I think that as a church, we would be completely remiss if during this part of our series that we don't recognize that there is a spiritual reality at play. You see, Jesus himself explained that we have an enemy and his en- our enemy's name is Satan. That Jesus described him as the father of lies, that he is devious and cunning and sneaky. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. I know that we have skeptics here and we're so glad that you are here. You may be thinking, well, gosh, I don't even know if I believe in God at this point. I was bribed to come here with a friend. And now you're wanting me to believe in Satan. I get it. Because see, here's the problem. Our culture has diminished diminished Satan into this innocuous little harmless cartoon character that we don't even need to pay attention to. But if you think about it, isn't that exactly what Satan would want? to be able to just fly in under the radar, to wreak some havoc, pull some strings, and then sit back and watch it all unfold and unravel. Yeah. Because here's something I know. If I were Satan, I would tell you, go ahead and have another drink. If I were Satan and you were in the middle of a detour and I was doing all I could to get my foot inside of that vulnerability, I would tell you, hey, you know, you know that flirting you're doing with a coworker that's not your spouse at the office? It's harmless. I know things are tense at home right now and you need to find joy wherever you can find it. Students, if I were Satan, I would be pointing out to you, boy, it's been a challenging school year. All this back and forth with in-person learning and virtual learning, go ahead and cheat on that test. You need a, you need a, a leg up after such a hard year. Know your passengers. Know the voices that are influencing you in the middle of your detour. Use wisdom. Secondly, when we are tying in wisdom and choosing to pave our detours with wisdom, we need to make sure that we slow down in the process. Slow down. In other words, be intentional. Be intentional with rest and renewal, whatever that may look like for you. Because again, we're under a lot of stress. We have pressure points. And if we don't find healthy ways to release some of that pressure and stress, it's gonna come out in those unhealthy ways that we just talked about. So find and schedule and be intentional with rest and renewal, whatever that may look like for you. Also, when we are being wise, that means that we are going to make sure that we pay attention. Pay attention. Think about when you're driving and you're driving in those stressful red lines. Suddenly, you're on full alert, right? We're being hyper aware of all of the risks that are going on around us. We're extra cautious. Not fearful, that's from Satan, but we are extra cautious during those detours. Pay attention to the risks. Now, marrieds. Our married couples, let me speak directly to you for just a second. If you are going through a detour, remember that that automatically means that your spouse is in a detour too. Your spouse is automatically in a detour. And again, if I were Satan, boy, that's a great time for me to get a foothold in that marriage. So we have to remember to slow down and pay attention to our spouse at the same time. 
Because even though you're in the same detour, you have different vulnerabilities. You process the pain and the difficulty, the fears differently. And so that may mean that after dinner every night, you choose, take 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is, check in, pay attention. How's your heart? What's going on? What are you thinking today? Carve that time out, pay attention to each other. Also, when we are being wise in a detour, we are gonna make sure that we're gonna eliminate some distractions. Again, when you're driving, think about that. It gets tense all of a sudden. You're gonna turn that radio off, ask the kids in the back seat to be quiet. You're gonna eliminate any distractions that you might have. And so just be aware that when you are in a season of a detour, you may need to take some things off of your plate and that's okay because all of your energy, all of your focus is going into that detour. There may be some things that you need to set aside for a season. Just be careful that you don't take something off of your plate that's actually good and beneficial for you in that season, such as going to group or volunteering or whatever that may be, especially prayer, time in scripture. Make sure that you're not eliminating the positive things. Also, lastly, when we are choosing to be wise, we're just gonna keep going. Keep on going. Because you see, it's in those detours where we start to question, we start to question our paths, like maybe this wasn't my road. Maybe I took a wrong turn at some point back there. We start to wonder, maybe I wouldn't be in this problem if I hadn't married this person. That's what I would tell you if I were Satan, for sure. I would make you doubt and wonder, maybe we shouldn't have made this move or gosh, maybe I shouldn't have taken this job after all because I really do feel underqualified. Choose to just keep going. Now I recognize that some of you may be thinking, you know, this is all great and all, but I really needed to have heard this a year or more ago because see, I've already overindulged. I've already overstepped. I've already turned my detour into a complete disaster. It's too late. Definitely something that I would say to you if I were Satan. However, we want you to know that you have a church that loves you, that wants to walk with you in the midst of your detour. We have a life care ministry here that would love to have a a conversation with you that can help set you up with a counselor or a mentor that's specific for your detour. So if that is you, or if that is something that you wanna make sure that you don't have to get to a place where it's a complete disaster, take that step. You can reach out to our life care ministry and request an appointment through our app or our website. So I encourage you to do that. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Again, we we all have our detours. We are all at our most vulnerable in the midst of our detours. The thing about that though, even though all of our vulnerabilities may look different, I believe there's one vulnerability that we actually all have in common. And that's this, that doubts tend to develop in our detour. Doubts develop in our detour when we are at our most vulnerable, when we are at our weakest, when things are confusing and difficult and not the way we had hoped or wished or prayed. Suddenly the doubts creep in. 
And suddenly it's our view of God. It's our view of God that's under pressure, that is threatening to crack. And it's then that we start asking some questions and start wondering who he is. We start to even question the very existence of God. Like, God, are you, are you there? And if you are, do you, do you see this mess? Are you aware of what is going on in my life right now? And if you are, do you care? Because it sure doesn't feel like it right now. And you see there, it's in this space, we start to see God as one who is either absent, incompetent, or cruel. I know in, in my seasons like that, I, looking back, I can remember and, and still face those times where I would love to have a conversation with this God. I know, I think I would be even audacious enough to say, you know, I think you might have made some mistakes over here. Maybe for you, maybe for you it sounds something like, you know, if I were God, this marriage never would have fallen apart. If I were God, she never would have had an affair. He never would have left. If I were God, this medical diagnosis never would have crossed the doctor's lips. If I were God, my parents would stop fighting. If I were God, I wouldn't be drowning in depression and anxiety. I would have prevented that accident. I would have prevented this pandemic if I were God. See, it doesn't matter if, if we have been following Jesus for most of our lives or this is relatively new to us, doubts develop in our detours because it is so hard it is so hard to reconcile the pain that we are experiencing with any kind of notion of a good and loving God. They just don't seem to fit. But here's what I feel like I have been discovering from my past red line seasons. What I feel like I have been discovering is whenever I find myself being a little confused about who God is, when I start to question that, I have to remember to look at Jesus. To look at Jesus. You see, there were several times throughout Scripture that it's recorded that people would come to him and, and say, hey, you seem to have an in with God. You seem to have this connection with the Father. Do you think you could introduce me? And you see, each time, each time Jesus would say, hey, if you want to know the Father, then get to know me. If you know me, then that means you know the Father. And so that tells us that one of the primary reasons that Jesus even came to this earth was to reveal to us the very heart of God, to clear up any confusion. And that tells us, when it tells me, whenever I have some confusion, whenever I'm starting to see God as either absent, incompetent, or cruel, then I need to line that up with the Jesus that's being revealed to me in scripture and to see if that matches, and it never does. You see, Jesus was a man. Jesus was a God who was always compassionate and loving and grace-filled and merciful and forgiving and patient, which tells us that the Father, the Father is too, that the Father is all-knowing, he is all loving. He is all good, all powerful, all the time. He's the only one who could see how all these pieces fit together. The only one that can see how he can work everything into his wonderful plan for our lives. 
And that's where the vulnerabilities start to make sense. You see where those doubts creep in during our detours, it's, at least I know for me, what happens is that I take my pain in one hand and I take my view, my, my image of God in another and I lay my pain on top of God. And I use it as this filter, as a lens to try to understand God. And when I do, of course it makes sense. Of course I'm going to see him as absent or incompetent or harsh and cold. Because see, anytime, anytime we take something that is temporary, such as our pain or our circumstances, and we try to use that as a filter to understand something that is eternal, we are always going to mess it up. We are always gonna distort it and misinterpret it. What we need to be doing, the healthy choice instead is to flip it over flip it over and instead start to under, try to understand and interpret our pain, our detours, our circumstances, our disappointment through the lens of a good and loving father. And then our perspective shifts. So we start to ask, okay, God, what, what is it? What are you trying to show me? How are you trying to show me, shape me? How are you trying to grow me? How are you trying to draw me closer into your heart in the middle of this season? You see, then we also have to come to the realization that if I really were God, if you really were God, if I really were God, that means that I would be able to see that I would be all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, all-good all the time, that I would be able to see how all those pieces fit together for a wonderful plan, which tells me that if I really were God, absolutely nothing would be different. If you really were God, today would look exactly as it does in this very moment. And if you're like me, that's a tough pill to, to swallow. I still wanna push back on that. I still wanna think, well, wait, really? You mean if I had all the power in the universe that I still wouldn't have prevented that? That I still wouldn't have chosen to do this? And maybe that's what's going on in your own mind right now. Maybe you're wrestling with that and thinking, what? you mean if I had all the power in the universe, then she still would have died. Then he still would have been in that accident, that that friendship still would have collapsed, that I would still be struggling with these doctor's appointments. And the conclusion that I come to every time is yes, yes. But don't take my word for it. <laughs> I encourage you to wrestle with this. Spend some time in prayer over this. Take this into, to God yourselves. And I'm curious if you come to the same conclusions that I have. But see, this also now brings us to the second thing that we can pave our detour with. The first thing is wisdom, but we also must learn to pave our detours with faith. Pave our detours with faith. Now look, this isn't supposed to be some trite answer, some Christianese thing that we throw around, like you just gotta have faith, it's all gonna work out. 
No. So we just talked about faith is hard. Faith is challenging. It is gritty, but it's a choice. It's a choice that we have that even in the midst of this difficult circumstance, I don't like it. I don't understand it. I didn't wish or pray for it, but I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose. Okay, God, I'm going to believe that yes, you do have my best interests at mind. I'm gonna choose, yes, God, I'm gonna believe that you're gonna work all of this, even this mess, into a wonderful plan for my life. I'm gonna choose to pay this detour with faith, with all the, same, all the things, all the mess that I don't understand and I don't like. I do have that choice. We can learn from the Israelites. Because remember, they soon forgot and that set them on that slippery slope to overindulging and overstepping those boundaries and creating a bigger mess for themselves than was necessary, they soon forgot. So what is in your rearview mirror? What's in your rearview mirror? Because the detour that you're in right now is not your first one. And so far, you have survived 100% of the ones that you've experienced in the past. And even if, even if those past detours didn't wrap up or end the way you had hoped or prayed for, perhaps now, perhaps now you can look back and see God's goodness sprinkled throughout. Perhaps now you can look back and see the ways that he was trying to grow and shape you and to use each and every difficult circumstance as an opportunity to shape you and push us closer and closer and more and more into the likeness of Christ. What's in your rearview mirror? And if you're not sure, ask your wise counsel. That's where those wise counsel can come in and say, hey, this is what I've seen. Don't forget, look, this is where Jesus has shown up for you in the past. That's where a good counselor and mentor can walk alongside of you and help you see that. Another visual that I want to, to leave us with is as we are choosing to pave those detours with faith. Another piece of scripture that has come to us from the book of Psalms. And it's this, it's from 119. It says, your word, your word is a lamp, a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Oh, there is so much beauty in this scripture because it tells us so much. First and foremost, it tells us that we are not alone, even though it feels incredibly lonely sometimes in our detours. We are promised that we have a guide. We have a guide. And I could just imagine, and I'd, I'm a visual learner. That's the way it works in my brain, that when I am going through those trials, when I'm in the midst of a detour, I could just imagine Jesus right there with me with a lantern, lighting my path. Notice what it doesn't say. He doesn't promise he's gonna light up our entire landscape as much as we wish he would because it sure would clear up a bit of confusion that we may have, no. But what he does promise is that he's gonna light, light up the path. He's gonna light up that detour for us. So that's his role. That's his promise in this, that he is gonna be our guide and he's gonna be our light. What that means is our role is to follow. 
is to choose to follow. One step at a time, wisdom, faith, wisdom, faith, one step at a time, one day at a time. Sometimes it feels like one breath at a time when we are in our darkest of seasons, but we are not alone. We have a promise. We have a Lord. We have a Lord that is worth following, that has proven to us when he was here that he is worth following because he is the only human, the only man that has ever walked this earth that could have avoided his detour. And yet he didn't. He willingly walked into it, walked into his trial and he paved his detour with compassion and love and mercy and forgiveness and ultimately his blood and the effort to reconcile all things, even you, even me, even my mess, even your detour, all things back to himself. He promises to guide us, to light our path. We choose wisdom and faith to follow. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Thank you, God, for not being a God who is absent, but one who is incredibly present. Help us to remember that. Thank you, God, for not being one that is incompetent, but one who is all powerful. Help us to remember that. And God, thank you. Thank you for being a God that isn't cruel or harsh or cold, but no, one who is loving and tenderhearted and close to us when we are in our most broken points. God, we love you. And I, I pray specifically over every single detour that is represented in this room, either currently or the, for those to come. God, would you give us the courage and give us the boldness that when, when we know we need extra help, to reach out, send that email, make that phone call to Life Care. God, help us to be bold enough and courageous enough to admit, hey, I need some extra help. And God, I wanna pray specifically over the groups, our summit groups that are gonna be gathering this week all over the triad. God, they're gonna be stepping into some difficult conversations, but we know you're already there. You have already gone before us. So would you give us Boldness, would you give us the courage to be transparent and authentic with each other to just say, hey, this is where I'm struggling. These are my vulnerabilities. I need your help. God, thank you for the hope and the peace that you give us through your promises as we choose to trust you, as we choose to put wisdom and faith, wisdom and faith into practice as we follow the light that you lay out before us. Thank you for those promises. Thank you for being a father that we can run to in the midst of our pain. It's in your perfect and beautiful son's name that we pray, amen.